Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Triangles Meditation Group. Today is June 12th, 2023, and we're broadcasting here from our New York offices of the Lucis Trust. And as we do each week, let's just begin with a brief moment of silence to link up with the group throughout the world, all Triangles members, and all who are interested in forming Triangles followed by a sounding of the noontime recollection. We know, O Lord of life and love, about the need. Touch our hearts anew with love that we too may love and give. So each week we come together in this webinar to introduce this work to people who are new to the idea of this particular and very creative um, visualization practice, which is aimed at uplifting all life and helping to transform our planet from its present non-sacred status in the uh, ranks of the planets of our system and help to transform it into a sacred planet. And we do that by visualizing the planets surrounded by a network of golden triangles, triangles being the symbol of the soul. So it's a simple practice, but a powerful one. And we also work each week to come together for those of us who are already members of triangles to participate in a meditative visualization on the support and strengthening of the planetary network. So as I said, triangles is a simple visualization technique. It uses the power of thought to transform and to uplift consciousness. And the daily practice involves finding two other people who would agree to link with you every day, visualizing a triangle of light connecting all three of you. And then you link with all other triangles members throughout the world And as you visualize the planetary network of triangles, the great invocation of powerful world prayer is sounded as a superlative means of releasing the energies of light and goodwill, which can be felt by all open hearts and minds everywhere. And so it's a, as I said, it's a planetary service and it's, um, it shouldn't take very long. uh, And so it can be fit into even the busiest of schedules. And as we do each week, we have, we hope to have a guest uh, to present some ideas after the meditation. And today we're welcoming back a coworker, Leslie Van. She's a longtime student of the Ageless Wisdom, who's working to bring the spirit of goodwill and right human relations into the world of conscious business. Leslie has served for 30 years with educational and NGO institutions as a Montessori teacher, as the principal of an alternative school, 
and as national coordinate, coordinator for the UNA, the United Nations Association. And she's the author of a new book entitled, Our Children, Our Future, Living Ethics with Children. And so she'll be speaking um, about those themes after the, the meditation, as I mentioned. So as we do now, let's begin with a brief visualization. Visualizing the planet as a sphere of lighted energy. And within that sphere, visualize a triangle composed of the three planetary centers, Shambhala, the planetary head center, the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart, and humanity, the planetary throat center. And visualize the circulation of energies flowing in all directions around the triangle, merging and blending the three points and filling the triangle with light. And superimposed upon that triangle, Visualize a five-pointed star. This is the star of the world teacher, linking east and west, past and future, radiating the energy of love wisdom. Visualize the three spheres of the three planetary centers coming into alignment and interplay, forming one sphere. And visualize at the summit of the sphere, a lotus. and another smaller sphere, the sphere of the new group of world servers. And breathe in the energy of the spiritual hierarchy, the group soul, infusing the new group with the energies of love and light. Now, as we breathe in once more, we visualize this fear becoming illuminated and pouring out its light into all corners of the earth. Visualize these energies circulating and releasing light and love throughout the planetary network. 
Breathe in the hierarchical energies and breathe out the energies of goodwill and light throughout the network. Visualize more and more triangles forming and the planet becoming sacred. We sound together as a group the invocation of light. Radiance we are in power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need we reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. So Leslie will be sharing a few thoughts later on the important topic of values and bridging as a form of service, really. And the word education itself stems from the root words educere and educare. And these two words give the two main perspectives on educational methods. The first meaning to mold or to teach while the second means to draw forth from within. And both of these are needed along the way and on the spiritual path as we move into a more scientific age. For we need the academic approach in our spiritual lives to understand the technicalities of the inner realms of consciousness. For this is a science and like all sciences, there are rules and there are teachings that need to be embodied before we can practice it. But in this bridging work that we're charged with, we also have to move beyond the approach of the mystic and learn how to appropriate these technicalities and apply them to the inner realms. Through this means we become planetary bridge builders. And this is an essential part of the triangles work. This inner bridge building eventually will expand to include a growing ability, and perhaps this is a demand being placed on humanity at this time, to build bridges that unite not only the three planetary centers, but which also extend to include an alignment 
that to planetary lives outside within our solar system and one day outside the solar system altogether. And in this month, we're told when the sun is in Gemini, in the month of June, we're told, we have a real opportunity to begin to experiment perhaps with this forward-looking work. And this, we're told, is because the constellational life and its corresponding sign has for its rulers the three planetary energies that form perhaps the most important triangle of our planet and its evolution. And that's the triangle between Earth, our planet, Venus, and Mercury. And as all astrologers know, all planets have different roles to play within these larger whole. From the perspective of esoteric astrology, all planets exist upon different levels of evolutionary development. And they all stand as distributors of widely different ray and constellational energies. Some planets, therefore, we might say, serve as wise teachers to their younger siblings. And astrology itself is concerned with the effect produced in the substance of the schist by the influences, vibrations of the planets. There are esoterically the influence of the solar centers. These forces emanate from the solar centers and they play upon the planetary centers and they affect changes. So the planets are considered esoterically as centers within our sun, seven primary centers related to the seven sacred planets. And our planet is in a transition period between the two categories of sacred and non-sacred. But as of yet, we know little of these impacts and are simply learning the ABCs of this stupendous subject. Or as the Tibetan describes, we're approaching the exoteric fringes of that great veil, which has been thrown wisely over planetary lore. In other words, he's saying here, we're simply taking baby steps along the long path of freeing ourselves from the great illusion in which we live, and astrology helps us to do that. Astrology, which is related to the flow of energies and vibrations, and it helps us to understand the means whereby these energies and vibrations are stepped down through a vast chain of being. In the case of a solar system, the great ensouling life embodied in the central sun is the primary receiver of the incoming energies, and the planets in turn stand as centers or chakras within that great life. In the secret doctrine, the planets are understood as brothers to the sun, not his children. The sun is therefore esoterically understood as the eldest in a great family of brothers, a family wherein each has its particular part or role to play within the larger framework of the collective. Each planet is an externalization of these energy centers, transmitting life to the different organs or points within the Logos body of expression, which is the solar system. 
all forms mutate as they move forward upon the evolutionary path, assuming different roles. So while within our solar system, our sun or solar logo stands as the central point, he will eventually move on to other roles as he moves forward on his path. In a distant time, we're told he will move into the role of a planet, a simple planet within a greater solar system, a system of much greater magnitude than our own. And our planetary logos, for example, is said to be in training to become a sun or a solar logos at some distant point in time. So we can see the general fluidity which governs life within all stages of development. In like manner, a disciple moves onto a higher stage of initiation. He must also learn to integrate into different types of groups. In one group, he or she might hold a position of leadership, while in another, he will be a student. But essentially, we're all students great lives and small, on this never-ending path of discipleship. For a disciple is simply defined as a learning boy. In the case of planets, for example, we receive help specifically from Mercury and Venus on here on planet Earth. For each of these planetary lives, which are sacred, they take in extra light from the sun and they share a portion of it with our earth. And so macrocosmically understood, this little Shela, the planet earth, is being held in the light by his elder brothers, the sacred Mercury and Venus, who stand as little suns to our non-sacred planet. Venus is said to be earth's complementary planet and stands to us as the soul stands to the personality. Venus takes in a triple supply of light and shines one third of it on earth. Mercury is closely related to the sun itself and is said to take in seven times the light of the other planets. And it also shares part of its light with the earth. And particularly when we are within the stream of energy of the constellation Gemini, the Gemini Sagittarius axis, our planet is highlighted. And this inpouring light from Venus and Mercury is pouring in directly and stimulating us. It's said that moving forward and as the new world religion unfolds in our planetary life within humanity, this entire month of June will be seen as a time when the planet Venus will be highlighted. As I said, Venus rules esoterically in Gemini. And this is critical because Venus functions as the soul to the Earth's personality. And as such, it's said that during June, humanity under the alignment possible with the planet Venus and with this soul stimulation which it confers humanity will be able to draw closer to the spiritual realms. And the Tibetan says that during June, appeal will be made to the forces which can utilize this planetary potency 
in order to work out the divine plan on earth. That's a tremendous opportunity. So we can, in our individual and group meditations, perhaps experiment with connecting this Antakarana bridge from earth to the planet Venus and contribute towards humanity's ability to tune into the divine plan. And it's interesting to note that in this year, the entire month of June, the planet Venus will be found transiting through the sign of Leo and will remain there until October 10th, making its retrograde motion in Leo and its subsequent alignment with the sun in August, which is another special opportunity. So Leo, as we know, governs the planetary etheric body. And so we can visualize this connection that we can help to establish between Earth and Venus as releasing the Aquarian energies in full force within the planetary etheric body. For Earth is in the midst of a critical transition period in its evolutionary development, having achieved the status of a sacred planet on the subjective levels. Earth is now moving through the long process of precipitating that sacredness onto the physical plane. And Earth is being aided in this transition through the mediation of other planetary lives, as we've mentioned, particularly Mercury and Venus. And this does parallel the relationship that develops on the spiritual path between a young chela or seeker on the way and an older, more experienced teacher. The more experienced individual aids the shela through the radiation of energy, through a vibratory influence that can enhance soul unfoldment. Eventually, as Earth achieves a higher stage in its evolutionary development and takes its next step upon the initiatory path, it's said that Earth will assume a similar role as light bearer to the as yet non-sacred Mars. So now let's work together in our meditation. We work together, integrating as a group, standing together on the mental plane at the center of the cross of discipleship. Linking in thought as a soul, as a point of love and light with all people throughout the world who are working with this Triangles Meditation Group. And we project a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy and sound together the affirmation of love. In the center of all love, I stand. 
from that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualization. Using the creative imagination, link with two other points of light to create a triangle of light. Visualize the triangle in which you are working as an essential part of the Radiant Worldwide Triangles Network. Hold the consciousness immersed within the light of the group soul, the heart of love which underlies and infuses the network. Now lift the consciousness higher still to the world teacher who stands as the heart of love at the center of the spiritual hierarchy and also at the heart of each triangle. Now holding the alignment between our individual triangle, the group soul, and the spiritual hierarchy with the Christ at the center, we hold the group mind open and receptive to the impouring energy of love.
precipitation. Visualize the energies of love, light, and goodwill circulating in and around the triangle's network from point to point and flowing out through the network into the hearts and minds of people everywhere. Visualize these energies unifying and eliminating all divisions within humanity, healing and transforming human consciousness, and establishing right human relationships. Coming together as a group, we sound the mantra of unification. The sons of men are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve, and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form and life and all events and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love. Visualize the whole planet alight with triangles. See new triangles being formed everywhere.
distribution. Sounding the great invocation silently or aloud. And as we repeat each stanza, visualize the network acting as a link between the world of spiritual realities and humanity as a channel through which light, love, and divine purpose may flow into human consciousness. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, everyone. And now, Leslie, could you unmute your microphone? Okay. Hi, Leslie. Welcome. Thank you. Can you hear me, Kathy? Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Hello, everyone. Hello, friends. I thought that I would share just a few ideas about virtues and values and how that applies to the family life, especially in light of the meditation we just did with right human relations in mind, and building a global human family. And so as we think about it, virtues and values are really the building blocks of our civilization. They're the building blocks of our family and of right human relations in general. And, you know, we read in the teachings so much about all of us having the responsibility to build a magnetic aura upon which these impressions can be built. And to build that magnetic aura so that we are a unit um, of usefulness for the master, the hierarchy, and the plan. Uh, 
and then translating that into our own individual lives, that magnetic aura, um, it, it goes up and down. It reflects from the highest to the lowest. It's a bridge as Kathy's uh, picture depicts. Our aura is really a bridge between the higher and lower worlds, between the inner and outer as well. And so to build that magnetic aura, we have the components of virtues and values as really building blocks. And then when we think about that, we are building blocks within our communities, within our families and the world. So if we take a moment just to think about in our own pasts, our family, our family of origin, as well as any family that we may have built, whatever is the definition of family. And for many of us who might've had children earlier in our lives, those children are grown now and we may have grandchildren. So many of us may be a household of one or of different kingdoms as my cat is walking closer to me uh, as I, I share this with all of you, but a family can be all kingdoms. So we might say that a civilization is built upon its values and our daily lives reflect our values. In shaping human character, we come to see that quality education cannot exist without inculcating values. A thriving and productive family life is lived with a demonstration of positive and progressive values. Whether children are taught values directly or indirectly, they learn them. And mostly they learn them through the example of adults, but also of course, from their peers. And far more than with our words, we teach children with our behavior and with our example. Ageless values and ageless virtues practiced with mindfulness serve purposefully in offering vital support to children and families. Today, most parents and educators are searching and researching ways to develop healthy and happy children. The need for guidelines and techniques for raising healthy children through the cultivation of values and virtues becomes really a necessity in today's turbulent world. The guidelines that we offer will enable us to raise creative and productive citizens who eventually also find fulfillment as parents and teachers themselves someday, if that is their path. So what is our first step? We adults are the ones who must apply these values and these virtues to our children's lives. And we must do so as well in our own lives, as I was mentioning, with the goal of creating that magnetic aura upon which the higher values and virtues can play and upon which higher visions can be reflected for the purpose of the whole. When we live our values, we enable our inner beliefs to match our outer behaviors. We become congruent. And it is we who will demonstrate a life of integrity, giving, and love in action. Our children will then experience these aspirations naturally. It is only through the example of adults around children that children will be able to live those high values and virtues that we espouse to teach them. We have to really embody those ourselves. I mean, that is the ideal for all of us. Our shared humanity, complete with our own weaknesses and our own foibles, call us to a life of vision, of purpose, of virtue, and principle. 
And this becomes the domain of living ethics. We are compelled to design and support the improvement of our individual, family, and school lives. And we do that as a welcome transformation for our whole society. Through our efforts to learn and live and teach values, we strive to build this living ethics everywhere that our lives will touch. And we then can ensure a radiant future for ourselves and for the children that we love and serve and that we support. Our children will inherit what we give to them. Our children become the legacy of our highest heartfelt aspirations. These values upon which we continue to improve and strengthen ourselves and uplift our lives will uplift all of humanity. Eventually, we view our efforts as merely a continuum of the enhancement of human values from the very beginning of time. And we can think about what some of those values really are in a practical way, whether it's love or compassion or patience or the ability to live a dedicated and devoted life, which is really the essence of discipleship, whether it's acceptance, responsibility, contentment, and courage, the idea of giving and sacrifice, being tender and patient and trusting, living with humility, harmlessness, forgiveness, respect to all kingdoms, joy, sincerity, discipline, simplicity, diligence, beauty, culture, adaptability, or even synthesis. These are just some of the many virtues and values that all of us could consider. And I thought what we might do is just take about three minutes for a moment and contemplate a virtue or value that we would like to build into our own mechanisms, to build into our own lives and our own expressions upon the path and to really enhance our capacity to have that magnetic aura upon which the higher emanations can play to fit ourselves to become an even better building block in the temple of humanity. So why don't we take about three minutes to think about that. And after that, we'll open it up so Kathy and I can have a brief dialogue and then open it up even larger to the whole group to share impressions, virtues and values that have been important to us in our family lives, in our community and group lives, and how we think that can contribute usefully to building a better and a, a wiser and a more fit world for the whole. So with that, let's take about three minutes and think about a virtue or a value that's really important to you, either something that you'd like to refine in your nature or bring in that you think you just haven't made the time to cultivate before and see that virtue or value becoming real in your life and see it being truly successful in your life expression, physically, emotionally, mentally, and of course, spiritually. See yourself successful in that. And let's take about three minutes.
Let's start to wind down, and in a moment, we'll come back to the group. Okay, and you may want to take notes or write in a spiritual diary some of these thoughts and maybe continue this as we complete the three spiritual festivals cycle that we've just come through and as you launch a new spiritual year for your spiritual diary. These would be good thoughts to really contemplate. And so, Kathy, I thought we might want to dialogue a little bit about, you know, values and virtues maybe as they played out in any of our memories, in our families, or our community lives, if there was something that was really salient um, as you were a mother or as you were a child. And I can share a few, and then let's open it up to our friends and see what else others would like to share. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie. That was a very interesting uh, exercise, trying to link up with a, a key quality that we'd like to embody. Kind of like the Tibetan gave those um, three initials to each of the disciples in his group, which embodied, as I understand it, qualities that he was giving them uh, to develop, to round out their soul development. But in terms of um, my own life um, and what I garnered from my childhood, I would have to say that mostly... I would say it was from my grandmother who lived with us for a few years before she died. And what she gave me and what I, in turn, I believe was my simple and greatest gift to my own daughter was that she spent time with us. Because as the Tibetan uh, said in his books that one of the problems with children today, and I think even so much more so today than in the writing of his books was parents are very rushed and they don't often have the time or make the time to spend with their children. And I can't say that, that my grandmother did anything really, quote unquote, special, or that I did anything as a mother very, very special. But the special thing was just spending time, paying attention, being present as much as possible to all of the um, curiosities and uh, just joys that children have to share with someone who's has the time to listen so that's what i would say what about you that is, that is so beautiful kathy and really you're also talking about multi-generations too which i think our modern world seems to have lost touch with because we have places where elderly people go to live out their lives and that may work for some families but in past eras we had the continuum, continuity of generations and intergenerational, multi-generational, where grandparents or even now great-grandparents would be, you know, a part of a child's life. And that is really beautiful. And quality time, as you're saying. If you think about it, can you go anywhere in today's world and not see someone clutching a device? <laughs> even if you're at a table at a restaurant, everyone's staring at a device. So what is quality time, we might say. So that was a real gift that your grandmother brought to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for asking. I think my parents did not, you know, outwardly talk about virtues and values that much. But I can say that they moved from 
Syracuse University into Detroit for my dad's first job as a political science professor. And they deliberately moved us into Detroit, right, right into the hub of where the civil rights movement was partly built. And they did that because they wanted us, my brother and me, to have a really integrated um, sense of brotherhood, sense of world connectiveness and, and friendship. And so we were really all part of that civil rights movement and also multicultural, multiracial um, experience as children. So I think that was something I'm really grateful for. Another thing I'm grateful for is that they did not have any kind of religious dogma or doctrine. They said that we were citizens of the family of humanity. That's all I knew. Mm-hmm. Only later did I sneak away to Catholic church and try to convert them to Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up for Sunday school. But, you know, now in my adulthood, and I see how many people have been, you know, um, inculcated since childhood in a strict religious dogma or doctrine that has to be outlived or, um, you know, dropped away, especially if we want to live a larger sense of values with the ageless wisdom beliefs and and technology and, and our spiritual philosophy. And that's really hard to drop if we've been. Um, you know, if it's been hammered into us to believe a certain way. So I'm really grateful for that. But many, many of our friends here may have some other things that you'd like to share. Uh, Should we open it up, Kathy? Yeah, yes. So if you'd like to share, you can raise your hand. And here's Wendy Boyd. Okay. Uh, Wait a minute. Hi, Wendy. Sorry, just unmuting. Am I unmuted? Yes, yes. Oh, great. Okay, thank you. That was so interesting and inspiring and easy to do. Um, And the thing that came through for me is advocacy, because in my childhood, I felt that uh, I really was on the end of sit still and be quiet um, type of (laughs) attitude from the adults around me yet. children should be seen and not heard which I think is terrible you know um the assumption that uh, children are naughty just because they're children all these to me antiquated ideas about children and I think one of the things that came to me was how um children have a very strong sense of justice and injustice and sometimes I don't think it's appropriate to make children say sorry when they do something that really isn't that serious but more than that when there isn't a sense of justice for everybody I think that in order to really come through the situation everybody has to feel heard and have that sense of justice and so and very quickly yesterday I was watching a, a classic and and it's called some people may know it is called how green was my valley and it it's about just before the turn of the century and the industrial revolution and how things were changing. And there was this one part where 
Um, it, it also is looking at religion in the Victorian times, continuing with the Victorian Piscean attitudes to children. And this poor girl, she's pregnant. She's underage, but she's pregnant. And the, um, not priest, uh, whoever he is, sermon person is really giving her a lecture and moralizing and really making it, you know, shameful, shameful, shameful. And this one little boy, he's about 10, he suddenly, he's witnessing it and he suddenly stands up and says, stop it. And they're absolutely aghast. Um, that's cruel. And they try to, because there's a group of them and they try to suppress him, but he he won't be and he's speaking his mind. And, and I feel that that's very reflective of the age that we're moving into, despite sometimes it feels like the changes are slow. So I suppose I do identify with that little boy. I've had moments where I've said things and then moments where I've been really a coward and just couldn't find my courage to say the, the thing that I feel needs to be said without um, necessarily aggression and harmfulness. But the situation can remain harmful if someone doesn't say something sometimes. So thank you for listening. I shut up now. <laughs> Thank you so much, Wendy. Would anyone else like to share audibly? Or um, Leslie, if you'd like to, to read a couple of the texts while we're waiting for another brave person to raise their hand. Yes, absolutely, Kathy. This one is from a book called The Psyche and Psychism by Torquem Saradarian. And it says, these values affect the education of the world. Those who respond to these values are creating a new educational system that will lead the world into the world of values and guarantee its survival and creative expressions. Thank you. Um, there's a couple uh, texts or uh, chats, if you would like to read those. Do you see the chat box? I do. Sure. Should okay. I just, uh, I'll start at the top. Okay. Oh, you can, or, yeah, sure, wherever you want. Okay. Jesse O tells us, ethics are very important for our children to know and understand, but it is our job as parents to allow each child in our care to become the best and truest self seed, which they were created to, to represent as that spark of God, which they were to become, we can help mold them, but we cannot force them into our construct. They must be true to themselves, or they must be their true selves. And that makes so much sense, Jesse. And I'm sure some of us remember uh, the book by Khalil Gibran, The Prophet, where he says, our children are not our children. They are um, life's longing for itself and they must return to life and they must be led by life and that we are really just a shepherd. So I think what you're saying, Jesse, really is reminiscent of that. That's beautiful. And Luc Lucella says, I once, I once asked to teach me 
what it is to truly love, but that may have been too big an ask because the challenges of that are overwhelming me. I want to change to having the gift of just the right language words in conversation that would inspire those I communicate with to be and to do their best. And that is really, really beautiful. And Clint says, I agree that children learn more from us by our examples, by the good virtues that we express, than by our words. We can speak a million spiritual truths to our children, and they may learn none of them, but still become a good person with no spiritual interest, a person of goodwill nonetheless, and they will have learned by our example. And that is beautiful. And Santana says, thank you so much, Leslie and Kathy, for your wise insights. I think of the love of humanity and all beings is one of the most important virtues to, to instill in children and treat them with fairness, love, and understanding and teach them the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And I do have one final quote to read if we have time, Kathy. Sure. Okay, great. Values are those magnetic visions that challenge human beings to climb toward a life more abundant on higher and higher planes in ever-expanding relationships. Values are standards of achievements. Values are steps leading to enlightenment, joy, prosperity, freedom, unity. Right attitude to values creates progressive changes in the seven departments of human endeavor, politics, education, philosophy, and communication, art, science, religion, economics, and finance. Wrong response to values increases the suffering of the world. Values are pro-survival factors. They bring us success and victory. As individuals change their lives through the power of values, Nations will change, humanity will change, and the transformation of the planet will be a fulfilled fact. Thank you, Leslie. Um, I just wanted to close with one comment by Ellie, because um, I think it's one that I resonate with So, in my life. I, I think the greatest gifts I was given by elders and parents, including great-grandparents, great-aunts, and uncles, our reverence for nature, respect for all beings, and the ability to laugh and play. So I think that's a, a joyous note to end on and to thank you again, Leslie, for sharing with us and uh, for all of you for your attention. So let's just close by taking a moment of silence to visualize the planet surrounded by a network of golden triangles, radiating light and goodwill. Oh.